Hi, everybody. My name is Lisa Green. I'm the Interfaith Fellow. Welcome to Lafayette's Interfaith Podcast, Colton Corner. Today, I am joined by the fabulous Millie Smith. And uh, Millie, just to start things off, first of all, thanks so much for being here. And uh, second, if you could just generally tell a little about yourself, like where you're from, what your role is here on campus, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> um, my name's Millie Smith, as Lisa said. I'm actually class of 2010 here at Lafayette, so I'm also an alum. I currently work in the provost office um, uh, as an academic project coordinator is my title, and I kind of do a lot of different projects and programs across campus that kind of fall within academics. Um, uh, I'm from Somerville, New Jersey, um, cool. and I came back as an employee about four and a half or five years ago. So I had a little time away, mm-hmm. um, and then I, I'm back in Easton. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear about what brought you back, um, and and uh, we'll come full circle. But mm-hmm. I've been saying the last couple of times, I've been saying, you know, starting at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, I would love to hear, just for anybody who doesn't know, what is your religious slash faith tradition? Um, so I grew up uh, with my family going to an Episcopal church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went fairly regularly um, and actually continued going on and off uh, through probably my mid-20s. Um, I even got recruited to be on the vestry <laughs> um, but uh, I always went more as I saw it as like just a, rem- a reminder for myself like using it as a literary inspiration you oh. know like a, a reminder of myself for myself to be a good person um, you know I was really lucky and fortunate to uh, that that my hometown, uh, my family's uh, church was super welcoming, um, extremely LGBTQ friendly. Awesome. Um, our uh, leadership in the church was really active in the community, really mm-hmm. welcoming. So um, I'm lucky in the fact that I don't have um, like some people unfortunately have like a negative experience yeah. with religious institutions. Um, so my experience has always been positive, um, but I've, uh, I guess for me personally, I've never been like fully in it, mm-hmm. and I've heard someone say like they go to um, church not for the religion but for the ritual. Yes, that's and, such a thing. Yeah, and so I, I think I fall, I have fallen for uh, fallen for a really long time in the like spiritual but not religious category or like. Uh, naturist, humanist, like that type of um, community. Yeah, agnostic. Yeah. Type of um, spirituality that, you know, you can't like think about the universe in space and not be like, there's got to be something. Right. You can't <laughs> just be nothing. <laughs> so um, that's kind of where I, I land. So there's not any type of um, specific religion, I'd say. Um, though I know I was raised in that that faith tradition originally yeah well that's so interesting because I feel like even even though you don't identify with it now I wonder if it's still like is something that's kind of shaped you oh definitely yeah I think so um 
because there's because I, I guess it was more progressive um, church that um, there were like strong you know strong stances on certain things that I like moral morally and values wise mm-hmm. believe in too and kind of um, the difference between right and wrong and helping others and um, yeah just like being like I said being a good remind me to be a good person yeah <laughs> to like refocus myself right. um, and recenter myself uh, and it's some type of ritual and I didn't really have a ritual to replace it and then as I've gotten older I've found things that work for me and like my own communities that I can like build my own type of um, vulnerability and you know oh. and I guess more spiritual or internal life with. I love that. Yeah. yeah. What has that process been like of, of finding new rituals? Um, well, actually, over um, COVID, so like right when COVID happened, um, I was on an email list for this group called Sacred Design Lab, which is mm-hmm. kind of like a think tank that helps <laughs> kind of reimagine places where you can use rituals that are commonly used in religion like borrowing them for creating community and um yeah so they've worked with like lots of um like corporations and stuff about how how they can build community within their employees and their their, um, culture and ways to have positive you know mental health and things of that nature and so right when COVID happened when things shut down here on the east coast um they sent out a little email that said you know times are stressful we're stressed everybody's stressed we need something you need something so they offered up um 30 minute like zoom sessions uh for um for everyone to join and they kind of taught us some type of um, practice that we could use um, that involves um, kind of silence so like a little bit of silence or meditation or whatever you want to do in that time period Um, hearing a poem or an excerpt from a book or some short reading of some sort um, twice hearing it twice repetition is important and then listening to a song Hmm. and then uh breaking out into breakout rooms in zoom with like probably like three or four other people Hmm. and just like saying what's on your mind what if something popped up in your head for uh the, the reading or the music and just discussing it and it was like a really nurturing space in a scary time um and like people were so vulnerable and like once someone's vulnerable with you you feel like you can then be vulnerable too like it it increases safety even though it feels really scary and it feels unsafe to share um it actually fosters safety between people um so we did a little breakout room and then you'd come out back to the group and listen to the song again and then be like, okay, lunch break's over, bye. <laughs> and then leave. Yeah. And it was like a, a half hour long, um, probably like 
a hundred or so people that joined wow. like all over the world. Like That's so cool. Um, so they did that for I think three weeks, like five times a week. It was oh, really yeah, intensive. it was really intense, but that was yeah. also a very intense time. Yeah, um, so uh, and then they said, okay, like we've kind of taught you this ritual. We'll we'll you can take it from here. And a bunch of us were like, we don't want to stop talking to each other. Like, this has been so helpful over the last three weeks. And so um, a few of the participants and I, after like a couple months, because I couldn't join at the time, um, basically took up the project and took up doing this. And um, over time, like, we did this for... Like, over a year. I want to wow. say, like, yeah, a year and That's a half, wild. maybe. Yeah. Um, we come up with, like, a theme for, like, the week or the month. We did it probably twice a week. Um, not five times a week. It was a little too much. That's <laughs> but a lot. we like, coming up with readings and coming up with songs and trying to have, like, them match the theme in some way and, like, exper- experimenting with, like, other practices. And, like, we had a core group of people, like, from... Um, Netherlands and London and Uganda Whoa. and Connecticut and California Whoa. and Denver and Seattle and Chicago. So like we had, we were all over the place. Wild. But it was so interesting and like refreshing to find people that kind of were on the same page as you. And like we created such a really safe space, and it gave me so much practice in sharing like myself with others wow yeah that's so beautiful just to right to take kind of the part of religion that meant the most to you and build on it like that community and that sharing that like found family thing yeah yeah do you remember like any of the specific poems or songs like sharings that really stood out to you oh yeah yeah um like one of the poems that i found was like one of my I think it might be, like, my favorite poem, wow. like at least at this time. Um, and I think I shared it at the Poetry Reading Day last year. Awesome. But um, it's uh, Antidotes to Fear of Death by Rebecca Elson, who <clears throat> is a, like, or was a astrophysicist wow. who... Um, who also wrote poetry, like, pretty cool poetry, (laughs) and a lot of it was about, like, space and science and things like that. Um, And she, unfortunately, passed away very early, like, in her 30s from uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, and so some of her writings toward the end, she knew that she, you know, uh, had a terminal illness and was kind of, like, going down to the end. So it's been really interesting. I read some of her... Her little book that was published but that that poem in particular to me it kind of like really hits kind of how I feel about um like the world and life and makes me think about like what is like what happens after you know after yeah. someone passes away and like do you go like we're all made of like the same compositional material as like stars you know not to right. get <laughs> yeah oh but like oh, get we're there. all yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> but you know like what do you think happens when um when someone passes away and like what do we 
turn into, if anything, and what happens to our matter, like, if energy can't be created or destroyed, like, what what happens yeah and thinking about like the science part of it but I I just really liked in the poem she talked a lot about stars and um trying kind of basically like trying to feel them within yourself wow yeah which is cool right for a scientist to like think about these types of things I like that where it's like it's hard because in science you're so tracking down definites and facts and there's nothing like that for the question of what happens when you die. Yeah. You know, yeah, what do you think about that? Um, I don't know. I guess my current, um, my current thought is that, like, so we've talked, or my, my sister and I have talked a lot about, like, do we believe in reincarnation? Yeah. And... I think she maybe says that she does, um, and I'm more of the this the idea that like maybe, but not your whole self. Mm. Like I don't bl- I don't think that anyone stays whole. Right. You know, like there you go back to like a collective, and then get reshaped with whoever else is, you know. Or whatever other energy or stardust or however you want to think about it, um, <laughs> into like whatever is next maybe, but right. it's just yeah. thinking about the the universe. One of the one of the quotes that is that one of the people who did that um, first three weeks mm-hmm. that he has said before, which I'm sure he pulled from somewhere else, some other very smart person. Um, was like trying to feel infinitely large or infinitely big and infinitely small at the same time, like simultaneously and holding both of those ideas and concepts that like you, you are so small and tiny. And when you think about the universe and how big it is and think about your, your planet, you think about your solar system, your galaxy, the, universe beyond that and in the fraction of time that you have it can make you feel really insignificant but you also like are the only you there is and the only you there ever will be and you get to have this consciousness and impact in people's lives and experience all of these like huge emotions that you have in life of you know love and loss and grief and happiness and joy and like that's huge right like that that ability to have that and it's so unique to you right yeah well yeah going off that that's right that's so powerful you know i've never thought of that partial reincarnation idea that's really interesting (laughs) yeah it's my current theory We'll see what I, I think like tomorrow. That. Right, because I'm not for sure. You know, sometimes I I wonder, like, yeah, sometimes I, I do think it's just nothing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I believe in a version of the heaven thing. Right, yeah. You know, it depends on the day. It's, it's kind of funny like that. But yeah. in terms of the human experience, right, yeah, the love and the loss, 
I I would love to hear hear some of those defining moments for you in mm. terms of I'm even thinking going back to the beginning, you know, growing up being in the vestry, which for anyone who doesn't know, <laughs> what is a vestry? <laughs> so yeah, uh, when I was um, to explain the vestry part, yeah, um, when I was like in my probably mid twenties or so, and I was every occasionally going to the church that I grew up in, kind of just mm-hmm. as this practice, yeah, because um, I never felt like I was really a right hundred percent believer, um, but um, as this practice. Um, there's not a lot of young folks no. engaged in traditional organized religion. Right. And um, I was in my mid-20s, so to everyone else, I was very young. And <laughs> um, they, you know, needed... The vestry is kind of like basically like a board, like a board of directors oh, for, gotcha. for the church. And, you know, they're meetings that you discuss kind of like the financials behind it which is interesting and then but also um other needs you know like grounds maintenance but also um programming and things like that and so i got asked to go be on the the vestry i I was told oh just come to one meeting and see if you like it and then i was there and it was welcome we're so glad you're uh, back (laughs) so no pressure at all yeah yeah um and i was like the the millennial to represent all millennials (laughs) they're like what are the kids liking these days (laughs) so i got a lot asked a lot of questions as the young person that's um, so funny. But, you know, it was still interesting experience, and I still cared about the, like, community and the people there and what they do and the service that they have for the community and all the things that they do and help. So I felt like it was still a positive, you know, experience for me, even though I kind of felt like a little bit like an imposter. Yeah. I guess I hadn't totally developed how I felt about things yet at that time. Um, so I was just okay with participating in the ways that I felt comfortable. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a interesting experience. So that's what Vestria is. A little long-winded Yeah. Story. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, I was so curious. This feeling of kind of being on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. did you, like, always feel that, like, from being a little kid in the church and everything? Kind of, wow. yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, I think it's, like, maybe, like, just in me, as I've always been super, which is funny because of all the things I've just talked about, I've always been super rational and, like, mm-hmm. logical, yeah. and I struggled with the concept of Santa. I was like, well, what do you <laughs> I under I was like I don't think I ever believed. <laughs> yeah, I you mean know? it's so funny growing up. You know, as a Jew, like yeah. they would always they'd be like, okay, obviously the Santa thing isn't real. Don't ruin it for the Christian kids. Yeah, like, yeah. don't go be mean <laughs> yeah, and go yeah. spoil their fun. <laughs> uh, but I always was like, how does anyone believe that? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get it. And you know, like my mom and my parents, you know, 
They they did what they could. They had little carrots that they nibbled on. They're like the reindeers nibbled on it, or the Easter Bunny, or whoever. I forget who was having the carrots at the time. And I was like, "You did this." Like, like, I recognize your handwriting on the presents. I know this. Not that slick. Yeah. So I kind of um, like from from an early age, even when you go through like the the sacraments and like communion and confirmation and things like that and you like are saying basically your your oath or reaffirming your belief and I would kind of say it and be like I'm saying it because I have to I feel like but do I actually and I remember thinking this at like age 10 you know like very very young and did you feel like your family was kind of expecting you to no I don't I don't think so um I think actually don't I actually don't know if my parents or what like the exact religion my parents were raised in. I don't know mm. if my dad was um, at all. I think my mom had gone to like Catholic schools very oh, young, yeah. Yeah. like maybe kindergarten Catholic schools. Like she talked mm. about nuns. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, but like the so the joke about Episcopalianism is that it's like Catholic light. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, uh, it's very similar in in many ways, but also very different in many ways. And um, uh, a lot of the the folks, there are several folks in my um, family's uh, church that were formerly Catholic, that left for whatever reason for not being accepted. Like I said, LGBTQ friendly. And, um, you know, there was some type of rift in their experience there. Um, so they uh, left and found, um, I guess, what they felt like was a safe space in my home church. Um, yeah. But no, I didn't feel pressured or pushed um, to believe a certain thing or act a certain thing. I, I was always encouraged and kind of like, you know, <laughs> I want to say yelled at you know like a mom yells at you like go to church on Sunday kind yeah. of like get up we have to go when I was a kid and like I don't want to I think encouraged is a good yeah is a good word strongly yeah. encouraged <laughs> yeah <laughs> right um, like, this is what we do yeah. this is yeah bribed maybe uh, <laughs> yeah. so yeah I mean there was there was that but there was no you know push and like I I got married in that church oh, wow. I. You know, I my my niece got baptized in that church, and I'm her godmother. Aww. You know, like so, there are ways that I'm still connected, and I I kind of feel like it's not black and white. No, and like having that both and and being able to hold both truths and both sides at the same time, and knowing like, you know, what does it mean to be a a godparent in, so in that way, and like, yeah, are you just someone that they can. Are you? Am I just like the aunt that happens to have this title, or right. um, am I? You know, what are my responsibilities? Am I supposed to, you know, help with spiritual development? Right. Or like, yeah. Well, guidance. Yeah, I feel like I, the two things I've heard about godparents, it's like, right, you're there to provide a spiritual path, like an uh-huh. example, but then also like, you know, if God forbid something happened to the parents, the, those are like the two roles I've heard godparents play. Yeah. Yeah, I've also heard that yeah. too. Um, and I don't know. It's just I, I wonder how many people actually think about what it means to be like a godparent. Right. Like take it seriously. Right. 
Because a lot of times I feel like it's just uh, like a... Like a name uh, only. Like a title, a special award that yeah. someone gets for being a really good friend. It's kind of like a maid of honor, yeah. really. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. That's like kind of how I feel about it sometimes. Right. Um, but I know that my, um, you know, my sister and I are kind of on the same page about all this. And, and I guess she had said to me, aside from, you know, being sisters, like, that she trusts me to, like, yeah. be able to have difficult conversations or these like exploratory conversations about different you know things about spirituality or uh, religion or values or ethics or morals or like any of those types of things that I think are all connected to spirituality oh yeah well because I think you did such a beautiful job of saying that even though you're not entirely involved in the church like those teachings of like morality and how to be a good person are still so with you mm-hmm. do you does that ever like guide you when you're having trouble like making a decision that kind of inner morality um i guess so hmm. it's hard to like pinpoint like i know it's very common or, or at least it was very popular maybe it still is in the christian tradition like WWJD. That was a big thing when I was a kid. I don't know if it still is, <laughs> but um, I don't have any that type of, um, you know, I think I don't point to that when I come to making decisions. It's kind of like trusting my gut and my instinct. Yeah. Like I, I try to trust my body and my mind and like how I'm feeling about something. Um, and knowing you know if I'll feel guilty about something or shame or whatnot um but you know not having unrealistic expectations for myself as well that makes a lot of sense right and especially in the trusting your gut I feel like that's such a good godparent thing yeah or because that's such a hard thing to really follow I'm terrible trusting my gut yeah (laughs) Yeah. well so often you're kind of you're you're told like I can say as my experience as a woman, like, I'm often told that whatever I'm thinking or feeling from whomever, like, isn't true. Yeah. Right? And so starting to question whether it's a doctor or, or whoever, you know, um, starting to question yourself because of whomever who has like some type of authority you know is saying that it's not true and so it's hard to sometimes trust yourself but like once you know or you have like the confidence to believe yourself yeah you know you you can hopefully then defend yourself right and yeah because that's kind of what trusting your gut is right oh totally well it's believing that you have the same chance at being right about something as anyone else does. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Um, and I'm wondering, in gaining that confidence, were there, like, moments or things that helped you in that journey? Mm-hmm. I think a part of it, kind of like what I talked about in the beginning, about, like, being showing vulnerability, mm-hmm. is that you know if you can share how you're feeling or even just know how you're feeling that's just the awareness 
of knowing how you're feeling. Like I, I have to sometimes I have to use a feelings wheel, which is just like <laughs> a wheel. You can find it online of all these different feelings, and you can kind That's of like so funny. <laughs> figure out how are you feeling um, when you know you're overwhelmed and can't think. You know, yeah. Process, I guess what's what's happening, um, but um, I think when you are in touch with how you're feeling and you can name how you're feeling and then you can share that information Mm -hmm. and share your experience with someone you trust, um, someone that feels like a a safe space or safe person to talk to. And then you can, um, you know, get some external validation from that person to at least acknowledge that you're feeling the way you're feeling and that's, valid whether or not they agree with you or not and like seeing seeing you and seeing you know your experience mm-hmm. um and so getting that like affirmation right. is helpful in building your own confidence because there are some times where like you're I, I think about things especially during a conflict if I'm thinking about the conflict and then as soon as I say it out loud I'm like wow that's not very smart (laughs) all of a sudden now that I've said it out loud the logic is gone (laughs) you just make any sense yeah it doesn't make any sense and I was just wrapped up in my emotions in my head um but um so I think that practice of um having folks that I'm you know I feel like I can be vulnerable with and like we respect each other's boundaries. So I, what I should say is that the two other women that I did this online, mm-hmm. you know, group with, um, we still, even though we don't do it anymore for other people, um, we still talk a lot. We're like really close wow. friends, and we would sometimes do um, do this practice just for the three of us. Like, be like, wow. you know, pick a random song and That's a random reading, and. Yeah. Um, I always encourage to lean into the trust that, like, you know, just pick something randomly and trust that it's going to work out. Like, you're going to find a connection with it, which has been really, as a really rational, logical person, uh, something that, you know, who likes control, (laughs) something to, like, push myself on. It's It's a growing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool that, yeah, you met in the middle of COVID online. Have you ever met in person, the three of you? No, we haven't. Wow. I know it's so wild. Cool. Um, so I think there was one point where, like, maybe we sent a picture of, of one another, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, you're way taller than I thought you." Because <laughs> <laughs> we've never like met. Um, like, so my one friend is currently up at Yale, wow. um, and then another friend is over in um, Seattle, and um, We've kind of been close at certain points, but haven't quite intersected. But we've talked a lot about, like, we need to find yeah. a, a time to get together and have, like, a little retreat weekend. Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah. That's got to be so special. Was that, like, your first kind of moment of being, like, I could have a spiritual practice that's not attached to an institution? Yeah. I mean, I think so. Wow. I think it was, you know, because we... I think I've tried to do, like, meditation on my own yeah, or, work. like, journaling of some sort. But I think the community part is really important. Um, like, you can it can be helpful to do things on your own, but I feel like it can only go so far sometimes. Right. Well, you need people to 
be there for you, hold you accountable, you know, mm-hmm. just show you care. I mm-hmm. feel like, wow. Well, that's so special. Yeah. What about the two of them do you think has really helped you through, you know, the tough times of COVID and things yeah. like that? Um, I mean, we have like, the, th- the three of us have talked about like this, like yeah, this exact thing. That. Cause we, we show appreciation for each other a lot. Um, um and, um, so I think, I think a part of it is that we started, started off our like interactions and friendships from such a, an, a vulnerable place yeah. with kind of like more explicit boundaries that we've kind of, that were set for us and, and then some that we set for our, mm. our community that we had, um, you know, like non-judgment and confidentiality and empathy and we so we like talked about these values Mm -hmm. a lot um and like we want this to be a safe place like we don't believe in uniformity of belief like we don't there are people from all over we had actual like spiritual leaders like people who like reverends or chaplains in, in hospitals that were like coming because they need some they needed somewhere to fill their cup because they were pouring so much into others. Yeah. So it was, um, I think that, like, that initial, the way that we started our friendship, I think, really helped because then we, like, kind of skyrocketed into, like, this really, like, uh, kind of intimate space that you're with with your closest friends. Yeah. Um, and knowing that we can share with one another and that we will be understanding, even if we don't understand. Right. Like... Compassion. Yes. And um, offering that support and guidance. And so I think it's been, it's been really nice to, to have people like that. And I think all of us, all three of us, we were tired by the time we stopped doing (laughs) it. This is exhausting. We're so tired. Right. Because, you know, and we tried to cycle on and off so that at least one of us wasn't facilitating a meeting at some point so we could if we wanted to like attend to fill our own cup and yeah. like not be a participant and not a facilitator that's nice um but it was tiring and i think but all of us realized after a couple months we're like wow like we didn't realize how much this was having an impact on our life and like our our day-to-day life like how we can show up in the world and if we struggle with things and um like emotionally relying on that kind of like outlet or ritual um so you know it's been it's been a ride it really sounds like it Yeah. yeah i i'm really curious to know how you feel like it's changed how you show up like here you know at Lafayette you know Mm -hmm. your other relationships just Mm -hmm. how that's manifested through your life like coming back from COVID uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) um hmm I think I have a lot more Mm self-awareness um And I, I have a lot more self-awareness, but also a lot more self-compassion mm-hmm. that, that I'm aware of 
you know, the things I need to work on or, you know, my triggers or my, you know, my own personality attributes or deficits. Um, but it's not something I judge myself for, like just knowing who I am and being who I am, kind of. Right, and um, living in your body. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that self-awareness mm-hmm. with self-compassion has been something that's come out of it. And I think, like, compassion, in many ways, the like compassion and empathy has been, I think, something that a lot of people have taken out of, you know, a global pandemic where you realize all the things that maybe you've taken for granted or like right. wanting realizing how important mental health is and so important. you know yeah. recognizing that you know there's capital t trauma and like little <laughs> yeah. t trauma yeah. and all of those are you know valid and important and i think so i think that self-awareness and self-compassion and i think also because we were so mindful of wanting to be inclusive and um, respectful and intentional that like I I built a skill of um, a lot more nuance in my life and nuance and I guess like how I do my job you know sometimes you have to tread certain paths carefully and (laughs) or think about things from a lot of different angles and who's gonna you know how is this gonna seem to this person or that person or some other imaginary person that I can't even imagine so um I think that has kind of been like some of the skills that I've gotten out out of that experience or that I've strengthened Mm -hmm. Right, just more compassion in the face of doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. Is it, it must be such an interesting experience, you know, working here after having gone here. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, I've always been so curious. What was that like, especially since this, like, giant change in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think I'm, I'm lucky that I had time away. Um, so that I didn't feel perpetually like a student. (laughs) Yeah. What what did you do when you were away? Um, I worked uh, in the nonprofit space for a while. Oh, cool. Um, so, um, I also, like, I worked at a psychiatric facility. Wow. And around, like, foster and adoptive, um, youth and families. Um, so I was involved in that, like, kind of human services, you know, like, uh, social services or helping help like? others. Um, it's intense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, working in a, in a, like, a, a medical or psychiatric setting is always, like, uh, interesting. Um, but, you know, I built a lot of different skills in, in both of those settings, like, one's an office setting and one's not. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Um, but yeah, I'm glad that I had that time, that time away to kind of develop and find myself in a different way and not, you know, and grow and grow up a little bit. Um, uh, so I'm glad that I had time away, but coming back as an alum, 
it's it's interesting how many things are different and how many things are exactly the same and kind of being able to see some of those through lines and like recognizing ways in which you know we've come far right um and ways in which we still need to improve and ways in which we're still doing a great job and ways in which I'm not sure if we'll ever change (laughs) (laughs) so like I see all those little bits um uh so it's been it's been interesting but like you know obviously like so many alumni like care a lot about the institution there's so many alums that work here um and obviously a very active alumni base that you know participates a lot in activities and, and assisting um, current students in various oh, ways. Seeing so. the choir was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so awesome. I'm in the alumni chorus. Uh, so I, I was still coming back here occasionally, I guess, when I was away. Yeah. Um, to sing in the alumni chorus. That's but so cool. It's fun. And so, and that's been also like interesting because um, it's so many different generations in that group. Yeah. And hearing their experiences. I must feel like the vestry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not a young alumni anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're so young. No, no. After 10 years, you're not a young alumni anymore. You're a regular old alumni. (laughs) That's wild. But that's fine. I don't need to be a young alumni. I can can age, attempt to age gracefully. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah. You're on the young end of a regular alumni. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. It's just just a lot of reflecting on where the school's gone. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, right. The time away makes it not feel as, I guess, Mm -hmm. personalized. Yeah. And actually, I should say that my grandfather went to Lafayette and then worked at Lafayette. Wow. So it was kind of like, also felt like a little bit of a family legacy in some ways um, that, you know, I was able to go to um, the same school as him and then also end up working at the, at the school as well. And it's been um, fun kind of experiencing that twice, getting to experience that twice in two different ways. Um, do you feel really connected to him? Um, not not particularly. So oh. he he passed away in the seventies, oh. like so very before, yeah. well well before I was even born. Um, <laughs> and I think like you know shortly after my mom graduated from college, and I think mm. before before Lafayette was co-ed. <laughs> so wow. um, uh, it's been. Um, so I haven't really met him, but I've heard a lot of stories um, and a lot of things because he he worked in the alumni office, so and he was always That's around. So yeah. yeah, he was always around, and so occasionally when I, you know, see or meet, this would happen sometimes when I was a student. I'd be like, oh, oh yeah, wow. well, my my grandfather went here and worked here, and I'd say, you know, they would recognize his name, but oh yeah, I remember him, and oh. so I feel like very distantly connected, I guess, yeah. but. Um, it's just been, you know, I like to think about how different this place is 
when he was here. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was in the 40s. Wow. Yeah. That's Um, wild. How different this place is now from, or from when I was a student and then, and now from when I was a student and, you know, how different will it be in the future and kind of having that hope that it'll be, you know, in a good spot for maybe my grandkids someday. That's beautiful. (laughs) What do you think the biggest change has been since you were here as a student? Hmm. Well, the campus is very pretty. <laughs> yes. We had blacktop asphalt oh. walkways. We didn't oh. have that, those nice bricks all around the quad. Oh. Um, uh, aside from that, <laughs> let, let me think. Um, I mean, it seems like from my outside perspective as you know, a staff member, I, I don't get to see the student perspective too closely in my position, but... I feel like the student culture has actually surprisingly changed a lot. Really? I think so. Um, like the, and I can't, it's hard to even describe how it's different. It just feels kind of different. I know that um, the campus is obviously a lot more diverse than it was when I was here. I was here in 06 to 2010. Yeah. Um, and it seems from an outside perspective like there's closer communities like those that found a community it's a very close community and like welcoming and positive yeah i think when i was here maybe that those communities that found each other they were smaller Hmm. um but I think, you know, there maybe there's more fluidity now. I think so. With with yeah. like the student body and most people I don't wanna say all because I don't like talking in absolutes, but I sure. think most people have some type of community here that they find to be, you know, safe. I think so. Yeah. And welcoming and encouraging and et cetera. Yeah, that's, I think that's really true. What communities were you involved in when you were here? Uh, when I was here, I was in the choir. Um, so all, all four years, Wow. I sang with Dr. Kelly. She's um, the best. She is the best. <laughs> um, and so that was one of the communities um, that I was in. I participated in Marquee Players. Oh, sure, yeah. For... Uh, Probably, I guess two years, because um, I studied abroad. Oh, where'd you um, go? Wow. I studied abroad in Madrid, Spain. How was that? It was wonderful. I love it. I wish I could <laughs> go back. <laughs> and I'm really glad I did it. So if anyone's thinking, wondering if they should study abroad, I feel like they should. Yeah. Um, do it if you can, if you have the resources to. Um, but I, my major was international affairs and psychology, double major, oh, wow. uh, minor Very in cool. Spanish. So. Um, studying abroad was an important part of my experience mm-hmm. um, but I did marquee players for two years um, let's see anything else oh I of course I um, volunteered with Landis and okay, then I was cool. a Landis staff student staff member for three years I think wow. so 
Um, it's not structured the same way as it was when I was here, but I, I used to do like the kids in the community after oh, school cool. program, um, and then I transitioned to being the safe harbor um, program person. Wow. Um, and then I led like the team that would do like hunger and homelessness awareness week and other activities. So that was a huge part of my experience. I did PSP when I was sure. coming, coming yeah. into just starting here um so yeah that's what i've always thought is i've always had that community service like um, through line through line yes yeah. exactly and that helping others mm-hmm. that kind of morality or values and whatnot yeah. and i think it could it could be related to you know my experiences of being raised in like a positive um you know environment or like a, a, an organized religion that was positive mm-hmm. and helpful in many ways like food banks and soup kitchens and thrift stores and wow. all that stuff so um you know I think definitely part of it was parents and um instilling those values and stuff but I've always been involved in community service mm-hmm. in some kind of way and I kind of like leaned in that direction for a post um, post Lafayette, you know, I contemplated getting a uh, master's in social work for community, sure. community organizing, and oh. and because I really was connected, I felt like to my Landis experience here, and I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed that that leadership and feeling like I was helping others. Right. Um, and so that kind of brought me to like my nonprofit space that I was like working in. Um, so. Yeah, I think that's kind of connected. I'd say that's connected to my, my, you know, the things I heard, observed, witnessed. Sure. um, In that, that religious setting. Yeah. Well, I'm curious when you're in those service capacities, right? I'm thinking Landis, you know, the, the position you had right after college, what feelings come up for you? When I think about them, like reflecting on them now. Yeah, well, and, or, and um, during it, both, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, hmm. I guess, like, the main thought or motivation that I had was like, if I can help, I'll help. Right. That's so, that's so fair, yeah. And so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't looking for, you know, gold star or, like, extra credit or... It's like a nice feel-good thing. Yeah, and someone, or if someone to pat me on the back and be like, you did a good job, you're a good person. (laughs) It wasn't... (laughs) Well, like, coming from within, you know, back to the self-awareness, self-compassion, just... I feel like building up those things that are just for you really helps with that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like a part of it is is that just like if I can help, I'll help, and also like wanting to help make things better. I think that was right. a part of it. Um, you know, hoping that things can be improved or progress can be made and seeing things get better, I think, was, like, maybe a, a big motivation. Yeah. You know, like, seeing someone 
you know, graduate's not the right word, but seeing someone move on from Safe Harbor and, like, get housing, have a job and get housing in the Easton or support for that, like, that was really cool. Like, I didn't didn't do that. (laughs) They did that. They and their their support people did that, but, um, you know, I was, I still was able to develop some friendships with those with those people or some type of a relationship yeah and like offer what I could offer at the time which I don't know how much that was as a you know 20 21 22 (laughs) year old um I thought it was what they needed yeah 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 that's really special just that giving of yourself you know just Mm -hmm. to do it you know Mm -hmm. doing it just for the sake of it um yeah, and I'm thinking about that over the course of your story, just that kind of theme. Um, and just moving to the present, mm-hmm. what are things now that, you know, you had the practice with COVID that really changed everything, the practice of service that's really brought you back to your spiritual roots. What do you do now to celebrate your wins, but also when you're having a hard day? to make you feel connected to something greater than yourself? Ooh, good question. Thanks. <laughs> um, I guess, like, I, I've always had, I don't know if this answers your question, but I've always had, you know, uh, a small group of close friends mm-hmm. rather than a large group of friends or acquaintances or you know um so I'd much rather have it or or even a large group of friends and then like one or two best friends you know I I kind of always stayed in a more like intimate space with my friendships and relationships so um I think being able to share that with others and um I think that there's sometimes a lot of uh embarrassment to celebrate yourself and like be proud of yourself and happy for yourself Mm -hmm. and share a win um but you know I think trying to like be more comfortable with that I think uh is is something to that I work on um but you know I can do that with my close friends yeah Um, that's so special um so I think that um having those close uh close friendships I mean I I go to therapy (laughs) everyone needs therapy I I so So, I say that all the time yeah (laughs) so there is like you know other other ways that I talk talk things out um or journal or other you know uh, coping mechanisms, skills, whatever you want to call it, to work through hard times, um, and also celebrate wins and like recognize something that I did well, and especially when it comes to like interpersonal dynamics um, or challenges, yeah. and like having awareness and recognizing it, and then handling it well, and then being able to like share that with you know. I feel like I feel like the only person I really want to hold star from is my therapist. Yeah, so true. <laughs> so be like, wow, you did you a did good job, great. and I've gotten that a few times, and I'm, oh, I'm pretty proud of those yay. gold stars that are in my brain. Um, <laughs> so good. But but 
yeah, I think I think that's some of some of the things. Um, I still do that practice sometimes with my with my friends or just we we lately have just actually just gotten on Zoom and kind of talked and that's been helpful to talk through things and. Um, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, anything's answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect, and that's such a nice way to round out just. Right, centering on community and what community you find is the one that's right. Um, awesome. Well, that's really all the questions I have, but is there anything we didn't talk about that you'd like to? No. Um, yeah, I just think this is a really interesting project, if Thanks. you want to call it that. Um, oh, totally. Hearing, it's yeah. my favorite project. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, just hearing from different people and what they think and you know, being able to see others in a different way, I think is yeah. neat. Right. And just unlocking a little bit of depth. And, you know, I think I said on my last interview, I was like, there's a reason these aren't infographics, you know, yeah. like <laughs> I want to allow for a lot of gray area yeah. and nuance and figuring it out. Yeah. I feel like most people I talk to are unsure in some way. And I'd love that. Yeah. Cause yeah. I'm so unsure. Yeah. Yeah, there's and, something. Yeah. And I think I like also, because of what I like about hearing about other people and, you know, how they think and what they believe and what they, you know, how they participate in, in different parts of their life. Um, instead of, I, I want to be Millie before I am my job title yeah. or my email address and... I strive for communities, and I think Lafayette is one of those, and can be even even in an even greater capacity. Sure. Um, you know, seeing all the potential that we have as a campus and a community, um, I want to be a part of communities where I can show up as my full self right. and share my full self, and people can show grace for one another, and I try to extend that to others as, as much as I can. Um, you know, and um, so I think. I think this is a really cool part, Thanks. a cool way to do that for me to show up as myself, my full self. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And that's the best way to be, just bring the authenticity. Um, awesome. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. And thanks for listening.